This episode is brought to you by the Boneyard Huskies Club. The Boneyard Huskies Club empowers UConn student-athletes while providing UConn fans with access to exclusive community, utility, and rewards. Purchase of collectibles featuring your favorite student-athletes directly supports the athletes since they receive a majority of the revenue. For more information, go to BoneyardHuskiesClub.com. That's Huskies with a Y-Z at the end. All right, we are just a few weeks out here for one of my favorite sporting events here in the state of Connecticut. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see I got my Travelers Championship hat on. So who else to, to join us than, than Nathan Groove, the tournament director. So Nathan, welcome back to the podcast. You're glad to be on. Thanks for having me. I cannot believe uh, we're a couple weeks. Out. I mean, it's, it's freezing right now. It feels like it's <laughs> like I'm going to go trick or treating later with the kids, but it literally is. It's almost here, man. It's right around the corner. It, it, it's crazy. And I want to start by looking back at last year, because last year come tournament time is when things really started to kind of get in flux a little bit in the professional golf space. I, mm -hmm. I feel like last year, right around travelers time is when the live talk really started to pick up. What was going through your mind at that time <laughs> as things are starting to, you know, you've got your tournament, you've got to put on some yeah. of the names associated with it might have to be dropping out, uh, things like that. So what was going through your mind at that time last year? Man, you're taking me back to a super fun time. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> um, no, so, I mean, yeah, you look at that. I mean, it, so go back, like Bryson had just committed and it was like two weeks before, three weeks before the tournament. And people were like, wait, I thought he was going to live. And his people were like, no, like he's staying on the PGA Tour. And Bryson made some pretty open comments about that. And so he had committed and then announces that he's going to live and then it's like okay wait is he still going to try to play in the travelers championship how's that going to work can he take an exemption like some of the questions i got were yeah were like uh you know like well if he's not if he's suspended can he take an exemption and you know so that was all going on and at the same time you had this super strong field you know coming to the tournament you had all these top guys and then and then brooks's name that started to rumble around and and you know Brooks checks in to his, you know, his house, like he, he was renting a house on the course and he moves in and he's like, yeah, I'm here. And, you know, Monday you see him and everything's good. And then like Tuesday morning, his house is empty, you know, <laughs> like he joins live like that week. So, I mean, it, it was, it was chaotic. Um, but it was one of those things people kept asking me, they're like, oh, is it weird, you know, having guys commit, not commit. And I'm like, look, we deal with every tournament deals with that every year. Right. Yeah. I and mean, like there's guys that commit, there's guys that get hurt and withdraw. There's, I mean, like that happened, that happened with Zalatoris. Like Will was coming. He was playing in the U S open. He texts us Sunday morning of the U S open saying, I am hoping to make it through my final round here, but my back is so shot. Like, I, yeah, there's no way that I'm going to be able to play next week. I'm really hoping that I don't have to WD today. And so, you know, sure enough, he ends up having surgery later and things like that. But like, yeah. got, guys let us know they're coming and going all the time. So like, there was an element of that where I'm like, this is part of a world of a tournament, you know, guys are committed, guys WD. So that part of it was not abnormal, you know, from, from our standpoint, but there was just, there was a lot of talk, you know, going on. There was a lot of conversation. What's going to happen with the PGA tour? What's going to happen with this other tour starting up and you know, where's it going to go? And, and so, yeah, there was a lot of, um, there's a lot of noise leading into tournament week, but then, you know, come tournament week, I think Rory opened with like a 63 or something. Yeah. He's leading after day one. And, you know, then our exemptions are playing incredibly well. And then, you know, Soth, a former exemption looks like he's going to win. And then he double bogeys 18 and Xander comes. I mean, like, yeah, you forget like, Oh yeah. When you put the best players in the world on a golf course together, some amazing things are going to happen. So 
um, you know, the fans had a, the fans had a great week and, you know, it all was, uh, it was another, another fun year, but yeah, there was a lot going on last year leading into the tournament week. So now, you know, tournament comes and goes last year, a lot of changes coming to the PGA tour over the past year. I'm curious to kind of just get a little inside golf here with you as a tournament director. What's your role like as these changes are being proposed? I know a lot of it seemed to be player driven, but what role do you as a tournament director play in kind of future scheduling and things of that, that, that were big topics of discussion? Uh, I would say that the general, the general role of a tournament director, right? There's 45 events on tour this year. And I think if you were to poll all of us and to say, okay, as a tournament director, what's your role? I mean, basically it is tell us what we have and then we're going to go out and sell it. Okay. Just just like, tell us what it is. Like, where are we on the calendar? What's my format? What's my purse? Stuff like that. Because I mean, we, at the end of the day, we give feedback on the implications, mm-hmm. but we're not so much like the tournaments themselves, just, just because that's not our role, right? Like television is, is carving out a schedule with the tour and the tour is working with the European tour and they're trying to figure out the President's Cup, the Ryder Cup, the, the DP World Tour and the qualifying, like, and then television rights fees and international fees. Like there's so many things that go into the schedule, yeah. that go into purse sizes, that go into things like that, that it's just, not so much our role like our role is like hey okay you gave us something and now what are we going to go execute and do with it because it's our job to produce as much money for charity as we can with that event it's our job to make that look really good on tv it's Mm -hmm. our job to take care of the membership so uh, it's just i don't want to say our role is it's just it's just almost like hey tell us what the rules are and then we're going to go play the game you know okay it's um, but there are so many people that were involved in in just where golf was and just shaping that, you know, what's the PGA tour going to be over the next five, 10, 20 years. And, you know, what's the relationship going to be with the players. And I mean, the tournaments have a seat at the table, definitely to weigh in to say, Hey, if you do this and make this decision, here are some implications, right? Yeah. Like if, if you, if you change the format this way, here's what's probably going to happen just so you know. So they did bring us to the table to, you know, help understand what the ramifications were of certain decisions or, um, you know, if, if fields go from 156 to 80, what are the implications? If qualifying is like this, what does that do to your Monday pro-am, your Wednesday pro-am, things like that? So we were part of the conversation, but again, at the end of the day, I would say if you kind of cut into our DNA as tournament directors, we are like, Hey, tell us the rules, tell us what we have. And now we're going to go out we'll and make it work an event. We're going to go get the volunteer committees. We'll find the charities. We're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like we'll, we'll produce the event. Just tell us what event we're producing and how we're going to produce it. So um, that was a very roundabout no, that, answer. I don't even know if that answered your question. No, you did. You did. You did. You did a great job there. That's exactly, uh, you know, kind of insight I was looking for. When the idea gets proposed that the PGA Tour is going to have some of these elevated events, mm-hmm. h- how does that work? Is that something they dictated or is that something that you guys as a tournament had to go out and pitch yourselves as, hey, we think, you know, we as the Travelers Championship would be a good fit for this? How, how did mm-hmm. that all work? So kind of a little bit of, well, a little bit of, yes, you're kind of selling yourself. And then a little bit of like, there's things that are out of your control, like your schedule, like, mm-hmm the travelers championship we we can't play in november right, right. Like, like like there's certain things that you know you're not going to drop a tour event in new england in november like there's certain things that are just out of your control so there are certain things though i mean i'll take you back to uh the tour championship 
um, last August, right in Atlanta. So yeah. uh, commission, the Commissioner Monahan, he was up there on the stage, and he gave he did a press conference at that um, at the Tour Championship, and he said, "Hey, we're going to elevate four more events." And I was standing there with Andy Bissett with Travelers. He he and I have worked together for, gosh, seventeen years now, but he's the executive with Travelers who oversees mm -hmm. the tournament from their perspective. And he and I are standing there because we go to the Tour Championship every year, talk to the guys, congrats on the season. We hold some meetings. We're there for about 36 hours every year from like Tuesday afternoon <laughs> to like Wednesday at one. Um, and then they have this press conference and, and he looks over at me and he says, we, we need to be one of those four events. And I said, I totally agree. Yeah. And then I looked down and, and then I don't remember what it was like my notebook. And I look back up and he's gone. I'm like, where'd he go? And he's already <laughs> talking to the commissioner on the way out the door. So the commissioner was leaving the, the, um, the press room and he and Andy know each other really well they yeah. know each other for years. And he walks out, he's like, Jay, all right, Travelers Championship wants to be one. You're like, how do we do it? And so like that became, I would say, the beginning of us making sure one, the tour knew that the title was willing and interested yeah. because I mean, it was a massive investment for the title sponsor. I mean, the, the purse last year was 8.3 million. The purse for elevated events was going to be 20 million. So there is an $11.7 million gap to, to raising your hand saying, Hey, I want to be, <laughs> it's like, all right, so who's going to pay the 11.7 million. Yeah. So that was a partnership between the PGA tour and the title sponsor. So first and foremost, you had to have a title who was very interested in figuring out how to bridge that gap. Make that work. I mean, yeah. You could have had me as a tournament director could have raised my hand and said, Oh my gosh, we want to be it. And, but I didn't, I mean, I don't have, as a tournament, <laughs> you don't have an extra 6 million bucks laying around to be like, Hey, let's just put that into the purse. Yeah. So you had to have a title and then you had to have a lot of other things. You had to be in the right spot on the calendar. Like what's the cadence of these elevated events, right? Like how are they going to play themselves out? Um, how do you set up a schedule where the guys are going to play these things? Um, and then it was golf course and then it was support system and then it was community and then it was charitable mission and impact. So there was kind of like, you had to check the box initially with, does your title mm -hmm. want to do it? And then as you went down the line and then what do the players think of the golf course? What do the players think of the tournament? And we're very, very fortunate that as you kind of went down the line, we kind of checked all the boxes, golf course, great for crowds, looks good on TV. Players, what do the players think of it? Well, the players voted as their favorite event in 27 and 28 or 2017 and 2018. So that's a good, you look at community impact, you look at volunteer support, you look at infrastructure. Can you park enough people on property? Can you move that many people around a golf course if the crowds are gonna be this? So as you went down the list, we just started to check all those boxes and then it became, it made a lot of sense to, uh, to um, I think for the tour, and to, to give us this chance. And it's kind of like, we've been auditioning for this for 16 years, I guess you could say, you know, um, how did we handle the big moments? How did yeah. we handle the big crowds? How did we handle it when you had the biggest players come to your market? So um, we've been very fortunate to have a great title, good infrastructure, good volunteer committees, a good golf course, good staff here at River Highlands, like all of those things um, allowed for, I think it to make sense to allow us to have this. And we're going to, we're going to push for it for the future too. Like, I mean, yeah. we, we don't, we don't want this to be a one and done type situation. I'm going to take a quick break from the interview to tell you about my friends at Martin Rosol's Meats. This fourth generation Connecticut family business produces kielbasa, hot dogs, sausages, and deli meats using Martin Rosol's very own original recipes. Their products can be found in grocery stores, delis, restaurants, and hot dog stands throughout the state. 
And if you're looking for your fill right away, check out their retail store in New Britain. For more information, visit martinrosalsinc.com and go support a UConn fan-owned business. And now, back to the interview. No, and that was my my next question. How do you deal with some of the possibilities that this could be, you know, a one-time thing next year, you're just a standard event, maybe, you know, the year after you're back to elevated. How does that, does that change your day-to-day at all in, in kind of thinking about <laughs> things, knowing, you know, it could be, couldn't be, you know, and that kind of back well, and forth there? I, so I will answer that to say, if you got to go back before they elevated us for 2023, yep. we felt like we were going in the right direction for 2024. Because what we were very nervous about was, to your point, you sell an elevated event to your corporate sponsors, to your fans, to the, you know, to the media for one year. And then what happens the next year? Can, could we run a successful event that wasn't elevated? Absolutely. But how do you take your, your partners on a journey of, Hey, this year, it's going to look like this new entrance, new, this, new, this next year, it's going to look like this different, still good, but different next year. It's going to look like this. And then how do you how do you price it? Right. How do you, I mean, like, okay, Hey, you're going to get charged a premium because you're getting the best players in the world here. Like it was just, there was all these elements to how do these things work? So I would say we felt, we felt positive about what was going to happen beyond 23 when we jumped into 23. So Mm -hmm. I would say I, I very much like our chances to keep this status in the future. I mean, nothing's official. They haven't announced the 2024 schedule or beyond, but um, I would say with, with travelers in our corner, I like our chances. Is it possible? Because I know the date has always been something of, oh, you follow a major. Is that something where if the PGA Tour can say, hey, if you want to be an elevated event, we're going to move you. Is that something that's possible? Or is it something that the tournament sees like you'd like to stay the same and, and keep mm-hmm. that kind of tradition there? Wait, so are you asking that if the tour has approached the USGA to say, we're really sorry, you have to play before the travelers, so do you want to move? Is that what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you cater to us here in Connecticut. That's how That's how it so, works. I mean, I feel bad that the US Open has to play before us. I really do. I mean, our friends at the USGA, they're looking at different dates. No, I mean, obviously, uh, we, we joke. But um, really, again, if you go back to 06, and if you were to ask me, the week after the US Open, how's that going to play out? I would say it's going to be really tough. Yeah. You know, I would say we're going to figure out how to make it work. But what happened was, I mean, that we kind of had this internal mantra that the, the date is not going to make the tournament. The tournament is going to make the date. Yeah. And I think a lot of times tournaments will, will like we did, like we were scared of like, hey, here's the history of that date. Okay, nothing good can happen on that date. That's terrible. But we just kind of leaned into it and we looked at like, okay, what, what are the guys going through? What, what, what experience are they coming off of from the U S open? How can we be the, again, no disrespect to the USGA. How can we be the opposite of the U S open, right? Yeah. Like what are the pain points that they're getting at the U S open that we can actually have those be really good points with us. And just the player hospitality, the family environment, the, the kids' wiffle ball game that we do, the hikes that we do with the families, the, the player parties, the, the babysitting that we offer. Like, we are so family-oriented that the players literally, like, after this U.S. Open experience, which the U.S. Open is what it is, it's a major, it's a crazy test of golf, they're looking forward to getting back to what golfers would call normal golf. And it's the beginning of summer. And it's all these things that we're like, oh my gosh, we are going to be the most enjoyable event for the families and from mm-hmm. a crowd standpoint that we can be. So the, really the week after the U.S. Open didn't hurt us. And it didn't, um, even the West Coast Opens 
yeah. our field was just as strong and things like that. So when this whole conversation came up going, Hey, elevated moving forward, 23, 24, 25 beyond the, I think the way the schedule is going to lay out is we're going to be fine in that week after the U S open, it looks like, and that actually is going to play a good cadence with, with the tour schedule. And then we just, we, I would say we love that third week in June. I mean, the third week yeah. in June in Connecticut and new England is a good, good week. You go a month earlier, is the golf course going to be ready? Eh. Yeah. You go, you know, six weeks later, what are the crowds going to be like in August? In yeah. So like we kind of have a, you I got the sweet spot. Window. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're getting, you're getting the fifties and sixties in June out of the way this week. So you're, <laughs> you're going to be right. golden. See, it was like 46 this week. Yeah. <laughs> Get that out of the way now. Um, I didn't have enough layers. So, so now enough on, on looking back in, you know, getting into some of those broader topics and talking about this year's tournament now a, a little bit, you know, now that you're, you know, just a few weeks away, what's the day-to-day -day like for you at this point as you're getting ready for this tournament coming up? Well, I mean, for anybody watching online, I mean, I have these lovely trailer accommodations, you know, with whiteboards <laughs> and power boxes and, you know, you can see all my food laid out here, but um, I mean, listen, the team, our team is, is unbelievable. They, they start to give up weekends, you know, around Easter, where it's just like they know the last 90 days are chaotic and chaotic in a good way, but just chaotic in a, you know, you have 3000 volunteers and, you know, 400 corporate partners that are spending here and all these players and agents. And like you have this build that takes three months to build out this, you know, the entire mm -hmm. golf course. And so, I mean, the team is totally committed to it. And I would say it's a, it's a normal job nine months out of the year. It's a crazy job two months out of the year. And then it is just caffeine and adrenaline like the last month. I mean, um, but I mean, the day-to-day -day now, it's just, I mean, you're literally just going through lists. I mean, you, it, you know, you can't spend enough time in your inbox. You can't spend enough time on, on the phone. And I mean, it's, a, you know, it's a, it's a Sunday it's a Sunday morning right now. And I've already, you know, our whole team has been on call since about seven 30 this morning. And I mean, but it is, we, I, we all love it. We know why we're doing it. Um, at the end of the day, we know if we do this really, really well, that we're going to raise a ton of money for charity. And that if we don't do this well, then in, there's going to be charities that could have gotten more money from the proceeds of this tournament. So I would say there's, there's definitely a sense of purpose in what we're doing and people, everybody rallies. And uh, I, I, I couldn't be surrounded by greater people as far as everybody buying into what we're doing, being willing to sacrifice the time. Um, but it's, uh, it's, a, it's, a little, it's a little crazy right now. I know, I, I'm sure people have seen some of the, the big names that you've already got committed to this tournament, but give people a little insight into the field this year who, who may not have seen that. But I mean, you, you go down the list. Uh, Anyone that oh. comes to mind, I think, to the average uh, casual golf fan, you, you're going to see them here at Travelers this year. I, I mean, that that's that's what's crazy about this is, I mean, we used to, um, from a recruiting standpoint, and we we actually dropped the word recruiting years ago, just from a relationship building standpoint, right, yeah. of, of who's going to show up, you know, it was like, okay, you know, we got so-and-so this year, so-and-so this year, but uh, I mean, barring an injury, everybody's coming this year. Yeah. I mean, you, I mean, you, I mean, you got Rory and Scotty and John Rahm and you know, Justin Thomas and Max Homa and Tony Finau and Patrick Cantley. Like I'm literally going down the top yeah. 10 in the world. And we looked at a list the other day. So I think uh, if you take out injuries, 
and uh, there's a couple top 50 guys that, that are that are playing live. Um, I think there's like 42 or 43 guys out of the top 50 that are eligible wow. to play us. Yeah. And I think 36 of the top 43 are committed right now. So, Great, yeah, I mean, it's just if you are a golf fan, it is going to be like this buffet of, oh, my gosh, where am I going to go watch? Like, should I go watch yeah. Rory tee off at four? Should I go watch John Rom tee off over here? Should I, Like, it's just going to be so much you know, so much good stuff happening that, um, the golf fans, I think, I mean, it's, it literally is the field of a major and, um, you know, we're the only, we're the only event in new England this summer, as far as a golf tournament goes and to be this big of an event with this field in new England, I just, I'm so excited for the fans. I I feel like each year you guys always are adding something to the tournament experience. (laughs) Uh, what, what can fans expect out there this year? Oh man, let's see. We added chicken fingers to the menu this year. Oh, for, oh for the you, you know what? Did, did, did you just read my Twitter feed? Because that was the one thing I was looking for last year I couldn't find. So you, you just made you my serious? day. Oh yeah. my gosh. I, I'm actually, no, that wasn't actually prompted. I'm dead serious. We added chicken fingers because of fan feedback that we didn't have chicken fingers last year. That, that so like, you, made my day. you made my day. I can't wait to get out there. Forget about the golf. I'm going for the chicken tenders. Yeah. We started that. It's a group called uh, Tender Love and Chicken. And oh, um, there we go. So, so, yeah, anyway, so yeah, if, I, I'm actually thinking through the menu. So we added food items. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. We added food items. Uh, we brought everything back in the fan zone, mini golf, the rock wall. We added a um, more interactive stuff for people to do down there. It's funny how many parents and grandparents will stop me and be like, hey, is there stuff for kids to do? You know, because coming out of COVID, we had to just kind yes. of like strip everything out. And um, I'm like, yeah, don't worry. Look, we're going to have arts and crafts. We're going to have all the games. We're going to have all, and like, okay, good. Because my kids love coming here. It, the tournament has become like a Disneyland, like, Hey, I have a ticket and I'm going to spend all day there doing stuff. So, I mean, we made, we we take that seriously. So we added two, uh, three, two, two new venues this year. So we have a total of five that are free open to the fan venues. Like we put two on nine, we put one on 17, one on 15, one on 18, where it's climate control shade. You have a general admission ticket. You can get into these cool venues and you have, you have great views and, we added some uh, added some viewing areas onto eleven on that on the short par three down the hill. Yep. We built some bleachers behind that, so you can actually oh, wow. like, kind of see up and looking down. And, oh, that's cool. Um, put some stuff on the eighth tee box on that par three because when you actually get behind that tee box, the way it frames behind the lake and the tree, yep. it actually created a really cool little amphitheater. Um, so we're always trying to tweak it, Jared, to make it a little better. Like, hey, let's add more fan stuff to do. Let's change the menus, and I mean. I, it's it's difficult building taking three months to build something out here but what's cool about building it every year is you get to make changes to it you know we're not we're not playing in a stadium where it's like hey you're going into x and so stadium you know like we get to build our stadium we're like if we didn't like an entry point last year guess what it's going to be somewhere else next year and if we want a mobile coffee cart doing nitro cold brew driving around the golf course guess what we're going to build that you know and if we want so um oh that's another thing so there you um, go there you go but uh i i think uh, you know the the fan shop is probably 30 40 percent bigger we got some viewing decks out in the driving range um so anyway uh, the fans are going to notice a big difference when they come out Awesome. Well, I, I I know it's a busy time, so I'll I'll wrap with this one. Always great talking the golf, but I think sometimes people forget how how much of an impact this tournament has on the community and the the charities involved. So give it give a little plug for for the the work that you guys do in the charities that benefit from this tournament. Uh, Jared, I I appreciate that question to end on because that is like I said when I was talking about our team and our staff and kind of what motivates people to do this and even our sponsors. Um, 
a hundred percent of what the tournament makes, the net proceeds from this event go back to our community, go back to charity. So, I mean, last year we raised about two and a half million dollars. We're our goal is to get to about three million dollars this year. Um, and that's about 125 charities that are going to get to benefit from that. And it doesn't take long. If you sit down and talk to any one of those charities about the impact that they have in the community and the lives that they're changing and the kids that they're feeding and the education programs that they're funding and the homelessness that they're fighting and the animals that they're taking care of. And I mean, you, you go through the list of what those charities do and you look at the fact of, Hey, if you support this event, like you're supporting those causes as well. Like it's okay to feel good about that. It's, yeah. it's okay to have a win-win situation where you get the best golfers in the world here. You get to come out, have an amazing time and know that the proceeds from the, your ticket purchase are going to support those causes. Um, it's, I feel really lucky that our team gets to do that, you know? And, and when you say, Hey, there's 125 plus charities that, you know, are, are benefiting from this, that's, um, that's a motivating factor. So that is, a, I think, a good point to end on. There we go. I I, I love it. So, uh, Nathan, thank you so much for, for taking some yeah. time uh, to come on and, and talk about the, the tournament. I, I hope if, if people haven't gotten their tickets yet that they, they go and lock those up because it's going to be a great time this year. And you get chicken tenders out of it. So what what else could you ask for? <laughs> That's right. Good times. I can't wait to hear your feedback on those. I will. I'll definitely let you know. <laughs> Nathan, thanks so much. Sure. Thanks for the time. See you soon.